Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 39 of the We Are Speaking Podcast. During each weekly 30-minute episode, we address some of our favorite topics, including American history and culture, government, education, and politics from a Black perspective. We are so glad you're joining us today. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. We offer branding and marketing services, including online training and one-on-one coaching to independent writers and creative and solo professionals. You can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. As a subscriber to the We Are Speaking publication, <coughs> excuse me, you can access the podcast episodes through the website or on your favorite podcast player. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. My name is Pamela Hilliard-Owens, and I am one of the co-hosts of We Are Speaking, in partnership with my husband and business partner, Keith, Keith Owens, who also wrote and performed the intro and outro music for the podcast. And speaking of Keith, here he is. Hi, Keith. Hey, good to be here again. Okay, our topics today are um, interrelated. We're going to talk about um, Joe Biden and the great week he had this week. And also, he he now has a challenger for the Democratic primary for the 2024 election. And we're going to talk about that. And also how third-party candidates really gave Trump the Electoral College win in 2016. And we don't want that to happen again. And it, and it didn't happen in 2020 like it did in 2016, because people realized how important it was for Biden to beat Trump. And I would say that it's very important again in 2020. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Keith, what do you have to say about Joe's visit to Kiev and and Poland this week? Oh, I think that was tremendous. And and it it was great on a number of levels. Number one, because it upstaged Putin. Right. Because Putin was planning this big speech of another great lie like his buddy. Uh, to talk about the war and all the accomplishments, et cetera. And, and of course, all all the President Biden's team did, they did the perfunctory, let him know that Joe's coming. Right. <laughs> you know, and which is all they basically were required to do. Mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. And as part of, uh, it's more than courtesy, it's also security. Uh, security. So particularly, particularly with the tensions between our two countries, so that's something that has to be considered. But and it was good that he was, he was there, he was there before Putin's speech, because Putin didn't give him enough time to reschedule. And, I mean, it wouldn't have been bad if it had been after, but it would have been following. And, and then he would have had to, and then he would have had to have been responding right. to whatever Putin said. And plus, Putin would have been able to spew whatever he wanted to. But with Bi- President Biden showing up first, and, and, and also just, well, first showing up first, but showing up. Right. Of the fact that he showed up in Kiev. Which is, as has been pointed out on any number of channels, the fact that a year ago, everybody expected Kiev to fall within weeks. Right. They they said that uh, on this anniversary, Putin thought he was going to be the one in Kiev giving a speech speech because because they expected Kiev to to go down in like three days or whatever. And they they thought, uh, uh, what's the president? Zelensky. They thought Zelensky was going to leave town. Right. Leave the country. Right. And so the fact that he he stayed and fought, he didn't leave. And and so it's upended everything, all the plans that Putin had. And it has also exposed the weakness of, of 
Putin's military, and that's a whole other discussion. But the numbers are—they have numbers, but they right. have very numbers of very dispirited troops. People say don't discount them, and we shouldn't. But but, but it, nobody can, can discount the incredible bravery of, of the Ukrainian troops. But anyway, that's one thing. The other thing is that his speech, then then the speech that he made in Poland, mm, and, right. the, and what what's being what is so great about that speech, but also about what, this year later and this anniversary, not only that. The, uh, Ukraine is is still there and still mm-hmm. fighting, and I'm not a historian, not as knowledgeable as many other uh, folks in that area. But it would seem seem to me that part of the reason why everybody's saying they they will never quit because of what they face if they do. Because people talk about how horrific things are now, and they're bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in this kind of weather and weather, we don't even comprehend cold, no electricity, no water. Everything and most of us have never been in war conditions, so right. we can't even imagine. But they know that if they give up, what Putin has in store exactly, but exactly. they're not even thinking about what the, what he's going to do globally, right? What he will do to them just for upstaging him. Well, not only yeah. to the, not only to them, but also to the Baltic states around Moldova and some of the other Bel- Belarus. He's already has eyes on Belarus. Right. But what I'm saying is, but the people, but the people in Ukraine, right. Right, right. You know, they're what they're the ones that are fighting now. They're fighting because if they give in, look at what they're doing now: raping, putting all everything against him. The things right. they're doing is horrific. So I think, but what President Biden has done, which is remarkable, and has pulled together all the European nations and support the NATO nations, NATO nations. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, thank you, NATO nations. In support, and also in Switzerland, Switzerland and Finland are are, are going to go into NATO, right. which which is not making is Putin happy. happy at all because mm-hmm. they never do. They, they're, they're, they were the reason why people mm-hmm. say I'm Switzerland. I'm mean, right. really neutral for everything, but I think, but the the fact that he's been able to hold this coalition together mm-hmm. for a year to put is also remarkable. But it's also uh, evidence you know, of his experience, right? And right. Of what of what he's been able to do, right? And mm-hmm. again, I think the same reason. And then I'll toss it over to you. But I think the same reason why he's there's a parallel between why he's able to hold that coalition together and why the Ukrainians won't stop fighting. It's not just that the NATO nations like Joe mm-hmm. or respect Joe, or, or and nor is it that they say. Boy, it's too bad what they're doing to Ukrainian. There's a whole bunch of countries at war. Right. You know, have experiencing terrible things, have been at war for mm-hmm. a lot longer. Mm-hmm. What they're looking at is is Putin. Right. Because Putin inspires fear in a lot of countries. Right. Because they right. know if Putin, Putin is essentially Hitler. Right, right. In, in his ambitions. Mm-hmm. And so they're not just fighting for the Ukraine. Right. They're fighting, you know, they're fighting for the globe. Right, because exactly. They, because they're already, China's already quietly aligning themselves with Russia. That is a huge deal. And I wanted to go quickly go back to Joe's big week because I remember when President Obama took out Osama bin Laden. Nobody knew what happened or that it was going to happen or that it was planned until it until he was gone, until he was dead. And the night before that Saturday night was the Washington press conference press dinner. dinner. And he's up there joking and all that. In fact, I think that's the dinner where he got Trump mad. Oh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so he's joking and like nothing was going on. And then I, I go to bed early on. I, I go to bed early, period. <laughs> but I got up Monday morning and they said that Obama had gotten bin Laden. Well, actually, they said, 
Facebook. <laughs> but I, so I went to the news and he had, and he, and it was like 11 o'clock Sunday night. He came out and announced it. Nobody knew about it except, except the Secretary of State, the Vice President, they knew, but nobody else knew that that raid was going to happen. And he, because they had said they were going to take out bin Laden, Bush said he was going to do it and he tried for two months and then gave it up and all that. And Obama said that he was going to go into any country he didn't. He wasn't going to ask permission and take him out. And so I think Bin Laden was in Pakistan, wasn't it? Pakistan. Yeah, he yeah. was in Pakistan. Yes. And yes, and and yes. and Obama went into Pakistan. Didn't bother anybody else in Pakistan, but went straight to his house and took him out. And everybody was it wasn't shocked. A house, it was a compound. Well, a compound. Well, well, I mean, right. I mean, in the whole country of Pakistan, right, right, right. he aimed right where right, he was. Right, right. That's what I meant to say. Right. But that reminded me of it because Joe completely surprised. Everybody, when he showed up in Kiev, everybody knew that he was going to go to Poland to give a speech to the NATO allies uh, during this week, which is the anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So everybody was expecting that. But when he showed up in Kiev, everybody was surprised, except for maybe the 10 people who knew. And so he woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, flew to Germany, went from Germany to Poland, took a 10-hour, 10-hour train ride from Poland to Kiev, and just, here I am. And, and, and it's so funny because President Zelensky was so happy to see him. He gave him a big hug and everything. And there was a, there was a picture on uh, some meme on Facebook or somewhere where when Zelensky came to the United States and was in the Oval Office with uh, Trump, he was looking at Trump like, Man, what is wrong with you? But when Biden came to see him, he gave him a big hug and all of that, the difference. But so, so, so then, so after getting up at four o'clock in the morning, flight to Germany, flight from Germany to Poland, 10 hour ride from Poland to Kiev, to Kiev, then he's walking around. And that, that was, that was the visual because that's where Putin thought he was going to be in the main square in Kiev. And no, no, so it wasn't Putin. It was Zelensky and Biden in the main square of Kiev. And what Biden was doing was get, he was literally, Giving the finger to Putin. To Putin. He was. That's yeah. literally mm-hmm. what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, say, and because he's united the NATO nations, he showed up in a in a sense in his own backyard. Right. Without right. Without him knowing, giving him no warning. Yeah, he only gave him just a, also, just just enough warning too. Just enough warning because I guess it's for security reasons. And like, but like you said, it wasn't enough time for. It wasn't enough time for uh, Putin to do anything, but it was enough time for security reasons because he was in flight. And so that was it. And so then he's wa- so then Biden is walking around, walking around Kiev and he and, and Zelensky and they go to the wall that uh, that is dedicated to the people who've died in uh, Ukraine since the war. Actually, the war started uh, like several years ago. I think it was in 2009 they've been fighting, but not like, like the invasion is now. And uh, then he got back. So after all that, he had a press conference he met and all that then he got back on the train for another 10-hour ride and back to Poland and everybody was glad when he got back to Poland but then he got up the next day and gave this big speech to the NATO allies and the speech was on the same day that Putin was giving his state of the union type address Uh, that was full of lies of course and so like he said he just completely usurped Putin and his plan but he was also showing in my opinion he was also showing America what an 80-year-old can do because people have been saying, well, you're getting old, you're getting old, you're 80 years old now, you'll be 82 years old at the 2020 election. Well, how many 80-year-olds do you know that can keep up with the schedule that Joe's been keeping up with? And so that, so he had, he had two things going there. And so he left Poland and after meeting with the allies and continuing to keep them together and keep them rallying for support of Ukraine. 
And so that's why I think, you know, he had a really big week. He, he had another Zoom call with some other people later on this week. And, but meanwhile, meanwhile, what's going, what's going on? Joe is also showing the Republicans who are trying to get against him at every turn about what a good cabinet he has. Because with the train wreck in Ohio that was caused by Trump and his administration, uh, uh, first, he had the EPA people there immediately. He called DeWine immediately, and DeWine said, I don't need any help. But now uh, Secretary Pete Buttigieg has, has gotten on Trump's case, and you caused this. And he said that out loud. It was you that caused this. And so Joe, while he's over in, in Poland, because people have to remember the president is, yes, he's the president of the United States, but he's also in charge of an international. And so these isolationists in America first and America only people get after him for going overseas and not being in the United States. But that's what presidents have done ever since the, at least World War II, at least World War II, because we didn't get into World War I until there was a year left until 1917. And I think presidents didn't really go overseas until around World War II with Franklin Roosevelt. So I said all that to say presidents do both. They do, not, you know, America and the world. So uh, that's what I say about Joe having a good week, not only for all the things that he did and the way he pulled it off, but this is what Aiden looks like, people. Right. Okay. <laughs> but also following up on that, real just when you're talking about what Aiden looks like, there have been a lot of talk. Um, in past week or months, what's been talked for a while of concern about uh, the president's age, people who even the supporters who, who like him and who want approve of his job mm-hmm. are concerned about whether or not he should run again in 2024. And as recently as a, a month, a couple months ago, the the number of those who thought he should run in 2024 was like around 36, 37 mm-hmm, percent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there was another poll that came out just yesterday, recently, mm-hmm. that is that is now up to like about 52. So in a matter of months. Well, the pe- people who are recognizing what he's done is right, good, right. but nowhere near what it should be. That's because it just has not been reported in the way that it should have been. It's always distraction on a number of other things. But the fact that now you have over 50% right. from mm-hmm. uh, mid-30s in that short of time shows that it's the pe- people, will be, people are beginning to pay attention. They're beginning to look around and see what we said last week in the sense of, if not Joe, who? We're looking what he does, but there's nobody else. Exactly, exactly. Use. And I'm, I'm going to speak on that because I thought about this just before we came on. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, <laughs> the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. And this is who sponsors our podcast, that and our paid subscribers. And we offer online training for branding and marketing for independent writers and uh, creative and solo professionals and one-on-one coaching. And so we're very excited about what we offer in the Branding and Marketing Academy. And we would love to work with you. And you can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. So I wanted to get that in before we go on. But I was thinking about, if not Joe, who? There, Because some people are even saying Kamala shouldn't run. Kamala said it yesterday. Joe and I are going to run together. Now, he, Joe has not made his official announcement, but Kamala is letting, letting people know, I'm with Joe and Joe is with me. So don't even think about anything different. But besides Kamala, who else would there be? And the only person I can think of who could, who is presidential material, who would be running, who would be even thought of at this time, would be Putin. Pete Buttigieg, he is definitely, even at his young age, because I think he's only 37 or something like that. He's not, I don't think he's even 40. He is definitely presidential material. 
in terms of everything that he's done, everything that he's accomplished, and the way that he takes charge of a situation. However, we've had one, and now it took us all that time to get a black president. We still haven't gotten had a woman president. What would a gay president look like? You know, talk about the backlash and getting America over that hump. He would be, I think, he would be an excellent president. But we have to get to that point. But yeah, so, we're near there. so we know we're near there. So if and I've been telling people, you don't change horses in midstream. Joe has gotten us this far. First of all, he won because we had to get rid of Trump. That was his first job. He brought us out out of COVID. He brought us out of out of the uh, recession. Well, we don't have a recession. Out of the economic malaise of from COVID. And all of these things that he's accomplished, and like I said, he's he's kept not only the Congress, the Democratic caucuses together. That's not his job, but the leadership in in the House and in the Senate, and then of course his international leadership, all of that. And to say, well, he's so old. Yeah, age is age is relative. Okay, age is relative. So that's my take on it. So mean because I also want to remind people. As we get into the presidential primary season, what happened with third-party candidates? Well, first I want to talk about Marianne Williamson. She's the one who has uh, announced that she's going to be a primary challenger to Trump. And if you don't remember, she also ran in 2020. She didn't last very long. She didn't last very long at all. But she is she 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 is an author. She's had several books on the New York Times list. She's a spiritual leader, and she said that her platform is. Love. Okay. She has no government experience whatsoever. She has no idea how to run the country. And you see what happened the last time we had a president who was a celebrity with no government experience. And she said that she doesn't like Biden's economic policies. Excuse me? She said that, because I was looking at what she said, she said that his economic policies are leaving behind too many people. Excuse me? His whole economic policy is from the bottom up and the middle out. So I don't know what she's talking about. But even though she doesn't have a, a, a chance, we have to be very, very careful because of what happened in 2016. And talk about some of those candidates in 2016. Well, because I wanted to talk about when you just said uh, age is relative. Okay, go back yeah, to that. Mm-hmm. Just, be, just because at one point we're talking about, if not Joe who, but also people need to understand, and you understand that more and more as we start to get older, but but tomorrow's not promised. Right. Okay, and, and I think to Joe, there was, I think I read a good piece about that last week. They were the guy where, essentially, with with the president, he's. I think he would be asking, "What else do I have to do?" Right, right. You know, I mean, the whatever questions you may have had before he got in about his past, about whether or not he was too moderate, whatever mm-hmm. result, or people were too reserved and wondering whether or not he would he would live up to where he would get the job done or would just hang back too much. At this point, what else does the man have to do? Right. If all you're going to come back and say, well, yeah, but you're old, mm-hmm. anything can happen. Right. Anything can happen. And like and like other folks point, he's got a great team around him. Mm-hmm. He's got a great vice president. It's not just him. Looking at like it's just, it's not just him. Right. You have to look at what it and is. And that's like a, a sign of a good leader right. when you have good people around right. you. That's the, that's the, that, was, that was what was so strong about President Obama's mm-hmm. team while there were no leaks. But good when you're talking about, but getting back to what you're talking about in terms of third party candidates. Because um, what's the woman's name again? Who's Jill, running? Stein? Jill Stein? No, no, Marianne Mary Williamson. Williamson. A, She's running as a Democrat, as a Democrat, but still. Right, right. And I think that what two things. One, sure, it's her right to run. It's okay. anybody's right to run, anybody, especially anybody, in the primary. You know, in the primary, so anybody can run if they want to. That's you know you, that's important to be said. But also, just from a personal point, I think you. 
why would you enter a race when you know you have no chance? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because because either you're delusional or what or what are ego you to, ego or what are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, because she can't even attract enough votes to influence. Right. There's one thing when you have you may go back to Ross Perot. Right. Years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a threat, but he also had enough where he could make changes. She can't do that. But the other thing about third party candidates, because you're talking about back in 2016, mm-hmm. third party candidates, and I'll read them in just a second, but. You know, Trump did not win by a landslide. And what happened, these third-party candidates, that's when they become a threat because none of them can win, mm-hmm. but they take just enough away. And granted, it's not automatic that the people who voted for them would have voted for Hillary. Right. But it, it, but it dramatically shrinks the pool. And I have I have some I have some stats that right. I just looked up. Okay, some exact get, get yeah. Go ahead. Name. But in, in the 2016 race, you mentioned Jill Stein. There was also Gary Gary Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, Evan McMullen, and in the, in the national total for thirty part third party candidates and write-ins was well over five percent. In Utah, Evan McMullen received over twenty percent of the vote. Wow. While in Vermont, Bernie Sanders received over five percent, despite not, and he wasn't even on the ballot. Libertarian candidate Gary Johnson received over four million votes nationwide, while uh, Jill Stein received over one million. So right there, that's five million votes. Right. A record no- a record number of ten electors cast their votes for other candidates, three of which were disallowed. Most of these went to other Republicans and Democrats, but one went to Libertarian Ron Paul. And, and Yankton Sioux Nation Independent Faith Spotted Eagle. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you add those numbers up, and that and that makes a difference. And, and when you talk about just trying to make a point, it's like at what expense? And 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 I and I and I pulled some some numbers specifically from Michigan because uh, Michigan has thirteen electoral college votes, and in Michigan, Trump got ten thousand seven hundred and four votes more than Hillary. That's all. And that's how he got Michigan's 13 electoral college votes. In Michigan, Gary Johnson, a libertarian party, got 172,136 votes. And Jill Stein got 51,463 votes. Yet Hillary lost to Trump by a measly 10,000 votes. Everybody loves Bernie, but Bernie is not going to win either. He's not going to win on a national level. And in 2016, he did not throw his support to Hillary. I remember him sitting at the Democratic convention. First of all, he's not a Democrat, okay? But I remember him at the Democratic convention sitting there with his arms crossed looking all mad. By 2020, he learned his lesson a little bit. And when he dropped... his followers didn't. A lot of his followers still didn't. But this time he was more supportive of saying, okay, vote for Joe because he's going to be the, the candidate. And everybody in 2020 especially knew how important it was after four years of Trump that Trump that be defeated. So extreme, that, yeah, that was so a very, that was very extreme. So we say all that to say that now for 2024, we have to be very, very careful with these third party people. That they, that they, that they, well, first, I, I don't think it's going to be as close between Joe and, and Trump or the Republican as it was before, because a lot of people just didn't like Hillary. And part of that was because of the media and the Russians telling everybody to hate Hillary. Okay. And that was part of it in 2016, too. But even though we just started in 2023, we just closed the polls from 2022 midterms and already we're t- in, in another election cycle, although it's not official yet. But as we do this, we have to be very, 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 very careful because not only do we have to win back, win re-election, but we also have to win back the House and hold on to the Senate. And the Senate is going to be very challenging next time in 2024. 
So we have to think about all this. And if you have, and I've, I've said this before, in 2010, the Republicans took over the House with those Tea Partiers, including Kevin McCarthy. That's when he got in. Because so many people, Democrats and progressives, were so mad at Barack Obama for not getting to their uh, pet cause his first six months in office, they didn't vote in 2010. And Barack Obama never had a Democratic Congress to help him out the, the last six years of his of his presidency. They gave him hell. So I, I just want people to think about that. And Keith, do you have anything else to add to that? Or no, I think that's you know. Okay. I, I think that's, that's pretty much covered the basis. This what do you think? Some of the what do you think? Some of the uh, issues are going to be for twenty twenty four. Well, I think we mentioned one of them, which is which is age. Although I think that's beginning to, to fade somewhat. Mm-hmm. But I think, but that's still. But they're going to bring it up. And that's mm-hmm. not just Republicans. That's Democrats. Right. Mm-hmm. And plus, Republicans really can't bring it up. They're behind Trump. But that's going to become an issue. But a matter of fact. In a perverse way, if Trump isn't behind bars by then, that uh, that may make it difficult for anybody to bring it up. Right. Republicans can't because their candidate is about the same age, mm-hmm. and then the Democrats aren't going to be one ones to want to raise that if if they're not going to talk about Trump. Right. So that may cancel itself out. But the other, you know, but the other issue is the same the same one that's been there before the past couple, been more past couple, but particularly in the most recent elections, presidential elections, and and not just presidential elections, the past. Eight years is the corruption in right. the Republican Party. Oh like, man, you know, the gerrymandering, and there's been so much going on that reporters can only cover so much. But that is still going on, and they're getting the experience on how to make it worse. Now, I think what gives me hope is that they, everybody, really thought they they were going to be able to stop it this time with right. Biden because right. they because they had put every all the way from don't give food to people in lines, mm-hmm. and these and these people showed out. out. They would mm-hmm. not be stopped. And so I, th- I think that's still there. I don't and, think- and a lot of, and a lot, I'm just thinking about something that I read lately because Wisconsin, we have to watch Wisconsin very carefully because their gerrymandering is, believe it or not, is the worst in the country. But they had a special election. I think it was this week, and on University of Wisconsin Madison campus, of course, Madison is the is the capital, and they had a voting booth there, and the, the people, the poll workers, are maybe 27, 30 people would would show up on campus. They had like 500 students come out to vote, which is going to help because there's a special election for the Supreme Court, which is very important in in Wisconsin, because right now it's like the U.S. Supreme Court, very conservative, but it could switch in the spring when they have the the, uh, full election. So they're watching that very carefully. Two Democrats won in New Hampshire, I think, in another state, I can't remember, where they weren't expected to win. So Democrats are coming, some Democrats in different areas are coming back up. And also, of course, we got the new black woman. The first time a black woman has come to Congress, she won her election in last Tuesday in Virginia. And her grandmother didn't vote until after the uh, 1965 Voting Rights Act. Her grandfather had to pay a poll tax to vote. And now she's going, she's on her way. Now she's in Congress. Unfortunately, the, the, the congressman from that area in Virginia, he died of cancer. Right after the midterm election. So he had been there for a long time. And so it was pretty much a, a Democratic seat. But still, not only did it stay Democratic, but the first time a black woman from Virginia ever 
has represented Virginia in Congress. So that those are things to watch right. nationally as we watch things locally. And even though we're tired of the election and hasn't even started yet, we still have to be very, very watchful and very, very careful. Anything else? Nope. I think we got it. Okay. Just want to mention one more time. And this is brought to you by the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community Branding and Marketing Academy. So if you are an independent writer, independent author, or creative or solo professional, and you are looking for help with branding and marketing yourself, your books, or your company, go to our website to see all of the products and services that we offer just for you at teamowens313gcc.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you next week.